1: This episode is sponsored by Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I have an old friend from Duke with me, Annabeth Gish. You might know Annabeth from her first feature film, Mystic Pizza, and she was only 13 years old. When I met her at Duke, she was well-recognized on campus, even though I did not recognize her, but I became friends with her because we did aerobics together. I was her fitness instructor. She is a superb human being. We talk about her path to Hollywood, how she's navigated that terrain, the ins and outs and challenges, and where she's at today, and how she's managed it all with grace and such incredible beauty. I just love her, and I hope you enjoy our discussion today. Welcome, Annabeth. I'm so excited to have you on here today. Me too. I'm honored to be with you today. It has been a long time. I want to go back a little bit um to the first time I met you which was at Duke. I think you were a year behind me at Duke? Uh, I graduated in 93. Yep, I graduated in 92. And um I just remembered so I was teaching aerobics, you were teaching aerobics. You were I, the best teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that aerobics program, man. I taught all my years at Duke and it was such a great way of making money and because I've, I and I've always Loved being like a fitness instructor, but I also met so many people. And I remember when I met you, I just loved you immediately because you had this like great intensity to you, and you were focused, like you were really paying attention in a way that you know isn't always what you see in freshmen. I was a sophomore, but just in general, you know. And after class, it was funny because someone like you and I talked for a while and. Then you left and someone else said, do you know who that is? And I was like, no, I I don't. I just met her. And they're like, it's Annabeth Gish. And I was like,
0: like, I don't know who that is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? For those of you who don't know, Annabeth had been in a like, literally hugely acclaimed and um, very successful film. And what was that like coming to Duke? You know, we didn't have social media like we do now. So I'm sure people on social media must Experience this, but you were very well known um, for Mystic Pizza. And what was that like, you know, as a young person to come to college and have people recognize you?
0: Well, you know, first of all, it wasn't, what was odd was that they actually aired, they showed Mystic Pizza at the student union while I was there that my first year it was like just a random, like, Oh, well, we're going to show this popular movie that I happened to be in, which was bizarre, surreal. But honestly, you know, as you know, at Duke there are so many kids who've done amazing things before they've even stepped foot on a college campus. And, you know, it really, I didn't feel special. It was, it was kind of awkward a few times, but it was, it was also just very, You know, I'm so glad that I I went to college. I took the time when we did, when I did, because it was a much needed. I needed that time to go away, not be immersed in Hollywood, um, and to really have a normal academic experience, which Duke provided.
1: You know, was that when you were making the decision to go to college? I'm sure you had an agent, obviously at that point. Were you at all equivocating on that decision, or was that like a solid decision? anyone say like, that's not the time to go. You need to, you're, you're starting to rise in, in your, um, fame, like don't go to college, go to Hollywood.
0: Absolutely. That was a, a a clear message and request to, you know, not go directly to college. But, you know, my parents are both professors and I came from that world and, you know, I think it was always going to be a priority, you know, and, and I needed it developmentally. You know, I, I You know, we spoke about, you know, our kids and I think for me, you know, Hollywood can be a precarious place and, and, you know, rising into this field is, is a, you just have to get, have a good solid base. And so, so no, I mean, I personally, I knew I needed the time to go to school.
1: And did you plan always that you were going to go back into acting
0: after college? Yeah, I, I did. I mean, I I knew that it was something that I loved doing, you know. Prior to, I did my first film when I was thirteen, and prior to that, I had done local theater, and I loved it, you know. So it's in my genes or whatever. I just loved, had an early desire and a passion, you know. It's been interesting now after thirty five years in the industry, and just turning fifty this year, you know. That's that passion has evolved (laughs) because of time and endurance and rejection and all of those things, you know, um, quality of life, but, but I still, it's still very much there and I I still love what I do.
1: So right after Duke, did you move right to LA? Yes, I did. And you've been there ever since. Mm -hmm. I have. I mean, I know that was a while ago, but what was that experience like to go from college where you had, some kind of normalcy to an environment which is both glorified and demonized. I mean, you know, it really, there's no there's no middle ground, I think, in terms of people's perception of Hollywood. Yes. Um, how did you assimilate?
0: You know, well, I'm a person who thrives on structure. So I think that was very unsettling for me to kind of go into this, just sort of amorphous industry where it's not like you like a, a career in medicine where you get a degree and then you practice your field. It's just so vague, right? You come out to LA and you do auditions. So uncertain <laughs> so uncertain. I know. I, it it is. It's 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 one of the most nauseating <laughs> aspects of what I do, you know, talk about anxiety. But it does also for people who, you know, I think there's a gypsy gene also for to to just explore and have adventures. So for me, it was really important to, to find and make my own structure, which, you know, I immediately went to class. I still studied acting. I did, you know, voice training and I, I really tried to get a solid footing here. And there were actually a lot of people who went to Duke who were from LA. So it was a nice kind of, you know, how that works. I, I think that your, your college friends become so such a support system and network. So, you know, I mean, it, it takes a while. I think LA is a very hard city, but for now, you know, for back then it it just took a little bit of time.
1: Yeah. So when you got out there, what, what kind, what kind of dating did you do? Did you try and, um, I'm I'm like going right into it. Did you try and stay away from other actors specifically or?
0: (laughs) You know, um, yeah. People always say, don't, Date another actor because you'll be fighting for the mirror in the morning, or the, <laughs> the, the the narcissism and the vanity. You know, I uh, I think I didn't typically date many actors. Hmm. I yeah. didn't. I kind of um, stayed away from that.
1: <laughs> now, how did you meet your husband? And is he at all in the industry? I think you were saying he he does something, but he's not an actor.
0: He is not an actor, no. He is a very successful stunt coordinator. Is that and how you guys met? We met. We met actually on X Files. So we've been we've been together twenty years now, twenty-ish. Yeah. Wow. And um, but although he wasn't working in a stunt capacity on that show, he just happened to know some Chris Carter, the the head of the show, and it was a sort of random meeting, but um, a faded one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Amazing. How long were you
0: on X-Files for? Just the last two years. So, oh yes, season eight and nine.
1: And was that filmed in LA or was it filmed in Canada?
0: Like the two, it, for the first seven years of the show, it was filmed in Canada and then it moved down here. So I joined when it was filming here.
1: And did you date your husband while you were on the show or did? Yes. Uh, yes. Yep. Okay.
0: Yep. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Are there any rules and regulations about that? Or like, I know there's a lot of, a lot of, I don't want to say red tape, but there's a lot of things that most people aren't aware of in terms of kind of rules and procedures, but what is it like for dating?
0: Oh, well, no. Don't you know, there are no rules in Hollywood (laughs) 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 or there are rules just you can break them.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, there, I mean, you know, I think always staying professional is good, but but he would, you know, visit me on set all the time and and he became something, what I loved so much about being on that show was again, that structure. It's, you know, you have a, at that time when you would do 22 episodes of a show, you'd have a good solid like eight months of work and it became a family because you're working with the same people every day. And and so uh, that he was just a part of the, the extended family.
1: Now, do you like doing that type of TV show format for acting and for your lifestyle? Or do you prefer doing kind of one-offs where it's more like a, a small movie or a movie made for a TV or something like that?
0: Well, I think there are pros and cons to all. I, Like I said, because I do like the structure, I like having a job and I really like the consistency. So when I have done television series, it's been lovely, you know? But, the, but I haven't ever done like a, an NCIS or something where you have, you know, like 15 years of a show that, you know, I think for some people it could be sort of boring, but, mm-hmm. but I've always um, really enjoyed that kind of a format. Yeah. So what has
1: been the most, especially as a woman, I would say, let's just go right there. What has been the most difficult thing about Hollywood as a woman? Because I'm sure men can speak to maybe something else, but I think Hollywood is known for being harder for women.
0: Yes. You know, I just, we're watching the show Hacks on HBO right now, and there's a brilliant, brilliant monologue that Jean Smart, the actress, has. And it's kind of about, she's an aging comic in Vegas, but she says it perfectly. And I think it sums up, you know, it gets harder as you get older, especially for women. I think the aging process is is a a fun one, a fun ride to, to go on. But, and that would be my, my comment, I think, is that women are objectified a little bit more, you know, I would say than men. And so it was always important to, for me, especially also considering that I wanted to be an intellectual as well, you know, really to not be undervalued for my mind, you know, I was never that, I was never a sex symbol, quote unquote, you know, so that wasn't really an issue, but I think being typecast or sort of put in one, pegged in a in a role or something like that was limiting, you know, so I will say that that, that those are two drawbacks, but on the flip side, there is so much freedom and opportunity and, you know, women can really do so much. You can, you can write, direct, create. So, you know, it's a little bit harder, but I think that that's changing. I do. I think, you know, especially with all of the, the, the Me Too movement and everything, there's been a lot of, you know, recourse and action, I think, forward. So
1: how, how have you navigated that aging woman from, I mean, you started at 13 and now you're 50 for your, in your own, in your own mind, in your own emotional landscape, not, not just like in your interactions, but like when you come home at night about that and, and like, how do you sift through that internal dialogue?
0: If there's a lot of internal dialogue. There's a lot of external dialogue. Thank God. You know, I communicate a lot with my husband who is my partner and my friend and who being in the industry, it helps because he gets it. It's He gets the highs and the lows and all of it, you know, but, but specifically for me, I have found it's imperative to have, you know, I have a meditation practice. I have a yoga practice. I have a spiritual mental health, you know, very early on, I, I knew that it was important to cultivate my own mental health early on. So I have a therapist that I've worked with, you know, for many years and, and just staying connected, you know, and some connected and conscious and, and it's not perfect. It's not impeccable. It's always kind of a moving target, but I have it as a priority to maintain my sanity for sure.
1: Well, that's incredible. And that was really going to be one of my next questions because I think women in particular, again, from a cultural society standpoint have been a little conditioned to put themselves at the bottom of the list in terms of taking care of Mm. house children, Others and then yes. it's like oh yeah and if I have time I'll make sure that I go for a walk or run or something but it's kind of like a an afterthought I, I've found this having worked with women for um, so many decades and I've always found it curious because I never had that and I think it's because I grew up with three boys and I you know three brothers and I was kind yes. of treated as a pack and I you know my well being was valued just as important as theirs but it's wonderful to hear. That yeah. you had that already because I think developing it at any time is important, but if you develop it as it becomes a habit, it's like you don't even you know you don't there's no excuse involved. it's like this yeah. is what is necessary
0: total necessary it's not it's, it's a necessity, not a luxury mm-hmm. although i do you know this pandemic has been so amazing for togetherness and all of those things, but I did find myself falling back into kind of gender specific roles. You know, it's me doing the laundry. It's me doing the dishes until, you know, and I have sons and, and everyone's helpful, but it does, you know, it's just a, um, a trap that sometimes we can fall into if we're not rigorous about our own wellness.
1: Yeah, I was listening to I think it was the the Daily the other day uh, podcast. That's my Barbaro, my favorite. I you know, and it was I think it was on that that it was saying that women this year, you know, jobless rates have obviously gone up some, and a lot, and it's mostly women because women have either chosen slash had to leave to come, you know, and they're the ones predominantly that had been at home educating the kids because they've had to stay at home and whatnot. And I I do think that, you know, it's, of course, we want to do that, but it is also almost an assumption that is made and that we just fulfill it. And then all of a sudden, we're like, wait a second, we're back into like, you know, the 50s here. And this is not, you know, we came so far. (laughs)
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: I mean, it's one thing to choose. Like, I think, you know, again, so let's hop right into parenthood because you have two boys, 12 and 14. And when you had children, like, what did that what did that do for you? Like, as an actor already having that very unregular schedule, like, what did that do to that whole mix? Like, what was your decision making? Like, I'm going to stay home for this amount of years, or I'm going to make sure that they're always on set with
0: me? Did you have some kind of hard and fast rules? Well, I could answer yes, I had hard and fast rules. But the, the fact is, I mean, I had priorities that I wanted to organize around. But part of this industry, so much of it is maintaining a fluid state. And... Being ready to go when the job comes when it could come tomorrow, it could have been you know it's there's no forewarning sometimes. I waited. I didn't have I had my first child when I was thirty six, and I was fortunate enough that I was on a show. I was on a show called Brotherhood for Showtime, and they I had my first child in between our first and second season and then surprise, I got pregnant again quickly. And so my second son, I was so fortunate. They wrote my pregnancy into the story, wow. which was a gift. And, you know, um, it was just great not to have to hide it and, and to also, there was no punitive, you know, action taken because I was pregnant. It was a family, you know, an amazing group of people. But then I will say, after I had two children back to back and that show got canceled, it was quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was very quiet. And that can be very terrifying. Even though in hindsight, what a gift that mm-hmm. I, you know, I really was there and have been and still amazingly and fortunate enough to, you know, have had the time to really parent, you know, to really be present and, my husband, we're fortunate enough as well that like we've kind of been able to, if he's working, I'm not. And if I'm working, he isn't. So he, so one of us is always, always hyper-present. And that's a magical thing to, or, to pretend to orchestrate that. There have been, you know, times. But, and, and in other situations, they have always traveled with me. You know, now they're older. 12 and 14. So, so they're into their school and their friends and don't want to travel as much with me. But for instance, we just had this glamorous, I'm not glamorous, I shouldn't say glamorous, but this wonderful gift of during the pandemic, I was on a show for Netflix and we all went up to Vancouver for five months. was pretty pandemic. glamorous. I think that's okay. <laughs> I know. I think glamorous <laughs> is a good <laughs> You was, can say it. I'll say it too. That's wonderful. Okay. It was yeah. a gift for sure. Yeah. Just oh my know. gosh. What's the name of the show so I can look for it? Yep, uh, it's called Midnight Mass, and it will be on um, Netflix in October.
1: Amazing! I love Netflix.
0: I think we all should have invested. I remember I was I at the but yoga studio
1: about March of last year, right? Right when it was starting, I remember I closed the studio on March 16th because March 5th. I, I, I have ton, you know, I'm in Princeton. I have a lot of smart people in here, and a lot of smart people that take yoga from me, and a few of them said, "Laura, this shit is going." It's getting bad. It's going to be... A, and I remember they told me in March, it's going to be a year. And I was like, what? Yeah. They're like, yeah, you better shut this down because it's it's bad. It's very infectious and it's going to be a year. And one of them, who was an economist, said, we should all invest in Netflix. And I'm like, ah, fine. Only paid attention to that.
0: Well, we but, should have invested in
1: Zoom is what yeah. we should <laughs> Yes. you know, <laughs> right, I know. It's crazy because I had already been doing Zoom, which was funny because i had never heard of Zoom. And I was doing it for my I had an online teacher training that I'd already started pre-COVID oh, because just recognizing that, you know, most people could not take a month off, go to some place, blah blah blah. So if I had it online because I had much more of an international community that would be great. So I'd started it in January. And then COVID hit. So I'd been doing Zooms and all this and I thought this was, wow, this is such a, you know, modern thing. (laughs) And of course it became every single day, it like became so quotidian.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: But thank goodness for Zoom because it really has for me this last year, just it has been a wonderful experience being at home more.
0: Yes. um, Because
1: usually I would be traveling um, very frequently.
0: I haven't traveled
1: in over a year. And Zoom has really filled the gap of that lack of seeing people and seeing lots of people. So I will, yeah, big plug for Zoom.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'll be happy when I don't have to do it every day. But okay, so so you're in Vancouver. That must have been amazing. What a beautiful city.
0: And it it was just perfect. It was the autumn. And so the boys would do their virtual school and then they'd go ride in Stanley Park every, you know, their bikes and just. That fresh air. And at the time, Vancouver's numbers were super low. You know, they were ahead of us and now
1: we're they're like waiting for that. Yeah, it's funny how all around the world it's kind of flip-flopped in some ways.
0: Indeed, indeed.
1: So how have your sons navigated Hollywood? Obviously they haven't known anything different, but has it ever been strange for them to have parents that are or at least you're recognizable to have classmates that I'm sure are children of industry people that are recognizable? Or is that just like when you grow up with it, you don't know any different?
0: You know, we don't talk about it that much. They're oddly, my husband and I remark at how unimpressed they are with what we do. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's wonderful also that they don't, neither one of them, I think, wants anything to do with the industry, which is great. I'd rather them choose something that has more reliability um, and structure. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's odd sometimes. I'm such an extrovert and a people person anyway, without being famous that I talk to everybody. Right. So my kids are always like, mom, just, just why are you making friends with, you know, the waiter or whatever? And I, because I love people. So, I am the same way. My kids right? are like,
1: can you just not talk to everybody, mom? I'm like, oh, blah, blah, blah. I can't imagine when I go back out on a group. I don't know. I think I'm going to like self implode.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Same. But they, you know, I think that that's, they know me as, uh, you know, the most unglamorous kind of, you know, in my pajamas, asleep, falling asleep on the couch, you know. So they're not that impressed.
1: <laughs> you know, going back to that, when you said again that like the inconsistency of, Well, just being an actor, I mean, you know, from a, like a, like the brain stuff is really my second specialty. And I think about how the nervous system you're, you're like in a low level of stress essentially all the time. time. time, Yeah. Because, you know, a big part of being able to calm down is like there and being able to ground is this like knowing what is ahead, you know, and that, and so even on a subconscious level, not really knowing like what's going to be there in two years, what's going to be there in five years, that's a low level of stress. I mean, how how is that manifested? And and obviously the all the practices you have in place. Yeah. But has it ever felt like I need to I need to fucking leave this? Oh
0: uh, yeah. I mean, how many times I couldn't speak to you know? I mean, no, there have been I have had wrestling matches with this career and in this industry so many times that, yes, I have wanted to walk away. I think quality of life is probably, you know, when, when people live, it's funny, cause I just went back to Iowa back before, a few years before the pandemic. And, you know, I have girlfriends there who I grew up with and who are doing theater and, and still live full lives and are still actors, but just without all of the mayhem and the noise that Hollywood brings. So yeah, you know, but I, I'm also fascinated with brain stuff and, and neuroplasticity and all of that. And I have wondered if anyone has ever done a study on actors and range of life because our cortisol spikes and adrenaline spikes are so even like, even the adrenaline of going on stage or being nervous before, you know, m- a monologue or something that, that stresses your, your system. So I'm always fascinated to see if like if actors, you know.
1: Um, oh, I'd love to,
0: uh, that would be an amazing
1: Uh, you know, research study to do. And also how many have medicated because of that, you know, medicated in the form of alcohol, marijuana, again, things, you know, all those things are not bad, but if they're there purposely to modulate your nervous system, then that's a problem.
0: Absolutely. I I think it's why it's prevalent, you know, that's so prevalent with addiction and stuff in, in this industry because the stress levels are high. But I've also wondered, this would be a fun also sort of experiment when people talk about, you know, imaging or visioning or, or meditating to manifest, you know, so many times I like if I'm playing I'm getting murdered, which I just did recently, <laughs> what does that do to like your consciousness, you know, right? right? Isn't that meta? That's sort of very esoteric to wonder, but that is. But you have to like I'm I'm constantly kind of trying to clean my energy field, you know, just from false imaginings. You know, that's,
1: I, yeah, I had, you know, it's funny, just I hadn't even thought of that until we were li- talking.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, I just did a podcast on stress because, you know, stress is, is, is so fascinating because so many people like that's just like commonplace. Oh, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. And it's like not normal to be stressed all the time. Right. From an evolutionary standpoint, we had, you know, our stressors and then we resolved them, but they yeah. were real stress. It was like life or death. Yes. and now we just can't figure out like what is a real stress and what is not. And we're, um,
0: we're willingly inducing it too by social media and like constantly you know looking at other people's lives and and it is. It's a relentless stress machine cycle. Yeah,
1: so speaking of social media, how like we are of the generation that we came into it later. And I'm kind of like, thank goodness in some ways because we knew we knew before social media, but I also think like that kind of sucks because we know before social media yeah. and there's so many benefits to social media. So I'm never, I mean, I that's how I've met so many people. But um, I imagine in the world that you're in, it has a totally different layer. Mm-hmm. Like do people that are
0: casting, do they care if you have high social media engagement or not? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I I think that's um, proven by the fact that you know some of these TikTok stars who have millions and millions of followers are now like they've just allowed them into the union. You know, just crazy without any like some of them don't have any training or whatnot. But it's it is absolutely a a currency and quotient for I know hiring. You know, I'm grateful that I came up before that mattered. But man, it is, you know, I, I hate the term staying relevant or your brand or, uh, you know, someone was saying to me the other day, like, I guess there's a whole litmus test for your posts and like, they need to be in sunlight and they need to be of you and they need to da 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 and like hashtag. I'm like, you know what? It's so exhausting, all of the requirements for it. I, and I do have a, an, a conflict about it anyway, because I am, I'm a private person. Also love people and the connectivity of the internet and social media. But there it just is such a slippery slope, I think. You know, oh, it's a
1: real slippery slope, especially for you or anybody that does have, you know, whether you have visibility from your career or you've gotten visibility from social media, it then kind of begets this like, well, I need to know everything about you. And you owe us that. You know, like you're in this situation. And I think, yeah, it's like kind of just Giving out crumbs and uh, giving a little glimpse, but yeah, it's got to be discernment.
0: Discernment. I we talk mm-hmm. about discernment a lot in with my kids, but you know, I remember it was a few weeks back. I think on your Instagram where you were getting some pushback about your thinness, right, or something. Wasn't there like commentary? Yeah. Yes, I actually have. I have a like, it's funny,
1: I have a Reels in the wing that I filmed right after that because I had just gotten tired of hearing about it. I was like, guys, if you look at my family, my brothers are all 6'3". They're like bean poles. My dad was a bean pole. I have always been on the slender side. And P.S., I am in menopause like I've lost my curse. Like I couldn't help it. It just, they they left. All right. So I, and I thought, why is it okay for people to make comments like, oh, you should eat. Oh, you know, I'm like, you know, that pisses me off. Like you wouldn't do that to somebody who was struggling with their weight. Why would you do it with somebody who like, I eat really well. I have a great diet. I feel amazing. I'm 51 and a half and I feel awesome. Like, doesn't that have more value? And then, you know, how I look and I happen to have, you know, a low amount of fat on my body, but yeah, it's sometimes, and that's when I just have to pause and walk away. Cause Absolutely. I am a Scorpio and I have a very hot button and that kind of shit, I, whether it's directed at me or someone else, I have no patience yeah. for, Yeah, yeah. you know, I'm like, you know, I, those, that kind of, those, those comments are just, what do they serve? You know what I mean? Like if you were, as, and some, of course, a lot of people will get back on and like in my defense before, I, cause I usually don't respond to it. Yeah, that's kind of the way I but I did make a little uh, thing about like, you know, I have big ribs, like they've always been big and small boobs. So like they're they're accentuated. And it's like where first of all, why is it that seeing ribs is not is so abnormal now? Maybe because our society is really skewed to like not, you know, having a normal weight like I'm actually a normal weight, but it looks like I'm underweight because. We have such, you know, huge differences between people who are really, really thin and people who are not. But it's like, I eat well, I'm healthy. I feel great. Doesn't that matter more?
0: Yeah. Just like, I mean, I think the internet has really sort of democratized, like now it's not just Hollywood actors who are on screens. We all are on screens. So therefore, and it also, so we're all putting ourselves out there. But that means we're inviting... there. There's collateral damage. You get the consequence of someone else's mean opinion. It's like bullying has become in vogue or something. It's just astonishing to yeah. me. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a part of me
1: for the... I mean, 99% of my engagement is so positive yeah. and so wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, some of it might be that the people that are really like trolling are just not even finding my page. They have many other people they could go to, but I do. Yeah. It's, I do just wonder, I I think in general, social, social media has just invited that. Like you can just say anything to anyone and about parenting. I can't even imagine having young kids now. And again, I'm so grateful. And you're the same way. Like my kids were you know, I didn't even get a phone, like an actual, like iPhone type of phone until my kids were probably, I would say eight. I had like a little, you know, flip phone yet. I I, I thought texting was terrible. Like now I love texting, of course, I know, I know. I'd, rather, I'd rather text and talk, but <laughs> yeah. I was the opposite at first. It's funny how you flip. Like, I'm like, this is so rude. How could somebody just want to talk to me? What you know, and I just, but I can't imagine like, Putting your baby out there, doing like that on social media, and then having any kind of remarks about how you parent, you're right. taking your child to a restaurant, you're not doing, you know, it's just,
0: yeah.
1: Parents are a, their own like pit bulls. Yes, and for sure. Pit bulls are nice, by the way. Don't, don't yes. anybody attack yeah. me. I love pit bulls. It's right, people right. People are the problem. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, along those lines, who has been like some of the most fun, your favorite, person or people to work with. Mm. It's always great to hear like the inside, like, cause again, we're getting an idea, but if we don't live in that community, we don't really know like who is just, and I'm, cause I don't want to ask the negative. I'm so much more interested in like who
0: is fabulous and wonderful yeah. to work with. Oh gosh. I mean, there are really, I haven't had that many horror stories of experiences. I also just don't invite the drama. I don't like it, but so I'm trying to think, I mean, I just worked with Lawrence Fishburne recently on a show called Free Rayshon. And he was just this amazing professional, you know, for all of his fame and myth, you know, the matrix myth and all of that. He is just, what a pleasure to work with. Um, I always love it when people are successful, but very real and not Humble, yes. Pretentiousness is so... Boring. I know. It's so easy to go that route, really. It's like, like to you know, be humble kind of-
1: really knows that means you're
0: solid inside. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Let's see. Um, Jenna Rollins was, I worked with Jenna Rollins and she's like my queen icon. I, I've been so lucky. I've worked with a, a, a great number of, I've worked with a lot of women who have become super famous. You know, I've worked with Angelina, I've worked with Ashley Judd, I've worked with Julia uh, Cameron, many, many, many women who, you know, have eclipsed me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in, in, but, but also to their credit, they have this chromosome or gene or whatever that is, that is, um, transcendent, you know, that, mm-hmm. that really, and I think charismatic and all of that. And plus the fact, I haven't ever really just wanted it that much,
1: you know? That seems to get to that level seems like a, a burden. And I mean, obviously, there's lots of pluses, but the burden of not having, not being able to walk
0: yeah, out and I'm not,
1: a, and be free, yeah, you know, yeah. to really feel that. So, sure. I think actually you're probably in the best position because you could, you know, be recognized, but you're not going to be like stalked.
0: Totally. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a genuine, anyone who does recognize me has a genuine kind of, they know me from something specific and, or, you know, but, but I, I, you know, I'm very low profile. Nobody, you know, it's nice. I'm grateful for it too. Yeah. Now you're, you've gotten,
1: um, how long have you been doing voiceovers? Cause I imagine that's just like a fabulous way to.
0: Gosh, it's my favorite. Expand your
1: repertoire. Oh
0: yes. It has been a gift. I started doing voiceovers, I think about four years ago, but now it's just been such a gift because it is, especially during the pandemic, I was, I can record from home and like we all have, right? Like we're Mm -hmm. all learning tech and microphones and all of those things. But but for me, I think, you know, one thing that I wish I might have, like an alternative career would have been to be like, I love NPR and I listen to radio so much, public radio. And and I've always wanted to be like Scott Simon or Mary Louise Parker or whatever. Um, is Mary Louise, Kelly. Yes. Kelly, yeah. Um, Mary Louise
1: Parker's cool too.
0: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I, but I love. There's a beauty in using your voice as an instrument. That is it's subtle nuances, and it's just so fun, you know. Really- Terry Gross came to
1: Princeton. Yes, and I went and saw her, and it's like she has. A, I mean, talk about a major fan base. But yes. it's so funny to finally see her face. You know, yes. it's to to know somebody only by the voice is incredible. Yes. It's very intimate, and then all of a sudden you're like, wait. There's a face that goes with that. It was it was almost a little strange. Yeah, like Michael Barbaro, right? Yes, yeah, you know? so beloved, so yes. beloved. Um, yeah. So I think you could still do that, no problem. Yeah, I, NPR. I, I, call call <laughs> Annabeth right now. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Pivot. So just ending here. Anything else besides being on NPR? Any other like really major dreams, goals in the future? Could do nothing with acting. I'm just curious. Like,
0: oh well, yeah. I mean, I have. Um, I've adapted a novel, a YA novel, and I've written a screenplay that I am hopefully going to direct. So I'm hopefully going to direct my first feature. Can you tell us which YA or is it under wraps you can't? No, no, no. It's a wonderful novel called Wolf Hollow by Lauren Wolk. And it is a beautiful young coming of age story about a young girl in the 40s with who befriends a war veteran hero. And it's such a beautiful story. It's, it, you know, it's not, it's an intimate film. It's not a, Marvel tentpole kind of thing. It's just a, I'm very much looking forward to stepping into that new realm. That's incredible. So, have you directed before? No, I haven't actually, but after 35 years of being directed and countless You kind, kind of, of know the draw. <laughs> I, feel, I feel really ready to do it. You know, I've I've been a sponge forever and constantly learning. And, and I think, um, you know, I'm 50 now and my kids are getting older and I'm curious to step behind the camera.
1: I think that's, I think that's a natural path for so many, especially the, uh, the intelligent actors. I think they want Mm -hmm. to diversify because it makes, it just makes their own profession richer to have like, yes, you know, be different, uh, people in the boat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, to take ownership of so much of acting, especially in film and TV, not theater, your performance isn't your own, you know, it becomes the the, the director and the editor and all of those things. So so I'm really ready to take ownership of of my voice and and um, my vision.
1: Oh, well, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for your Netflix thing and so much more. I can't wait to see you the next time I come out to LA. I'll definitely have no, to. No, please. Yes.
0: And because Jen passed a right? Like yes. you guys- what a small world. I know. It's so fun. How do you guys know each other? Just through, I think I remember when she worked at the newsroom and then I read her book of like, and she just amazing. She does so, so such amazing work out here.
1: She is one of my dearest friends. And we met 10 years ago on a yoga retreat. And it's so, yeah, we were both co-hosting a retreat and we talk about how we were like, is she going to be on the same retreat as me? And then we just ended up loving each other. It was it was oh, just a great example her. of just women lifting women up and we visited each other and all that. And yeah, yeah. I'll definitely visit her. She just moved to Ohio, So yeah. Yeah. But they're all close, close yeah. by. Yeah. Where can people find you about, tell, I mean, this will all be in the show notes, but your Instagram, do you have your own um, website?
0: I, uh, I'm on Instagram. It's Annabeth underscore Gish. I'm on Twitter at Annabeth Gish and, um, Let's see. I uh, I have a lifetime movie that's airing uh, June fifth called Gone Mom. Oh it's about the, the disappearance and death of Jennifer Farber Dulos. Do you know this this tragic story? I don't know this story,
1: but is this the one you were, that she was murdered and you had to be murdered? Oh jeez. Yes,
0: yes, yes. So 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 sad and tragic. But that airs on Lifetime June 5th, and then the Netflix series coming up in October called Midnight Mass.
1: That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be what a wonderful afternoon to catch up with you. I'm very grateful. And I'm sure everybody's gonna, if they don't already know you fall in love with you. Well, thank you so much. It's so good to see you. Thank you. And for all of you listening, as always, I'm pulling for you.